Hi, I'm Margie Haber, and welcome to my podcast, Slice of Life. Here you have an opportunity to be a fly on the wall in my studio, and you'll be able to listen to my students share their journeys as they discover their personal power. I'm also looking forward to interviewing many industry guests who will impart their wisdom. So let's jump in and live the life. And now my favorite person of all times, who I've known for many, many, many decades, because we have been together for those many years in this crazy business, is Fern Champion, the great legendary casting director. How are you today? Wow, what a great introduction. I wish I had those lines. I would just change the name Fern Champion, and then I would, you know, install Margie Haber, living legend. And as well as you are a living legend. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, Fern, I, I, are we living right now during 2020, Margie? Yeah, we are. Okay. I, I, think back, you know, I, I think back about the times. Uh, you have really survived so many decades, and so many casting directors have never been able to survive. They just, you know, they're around for a while, but not you and not me. So somehow the two of us seem to have a way of redefining ourselves, you know? Well, I think they call it the Peter Pan complex. (laughs) That's what we have. We just won't grow up. (laughs) And we won't. You know, I I remember that the first show that you actually um, cast was Cyanide Fever. Was that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I mean, I did small movies before that with the man by the name of Sidney Lumet one being The Wiz, one being another little small independent called Network, but, you know, let's not even go there. (laughs) Um, uh, But, yes, Saturday Night Fever. What a trip. What a trip. Yeah, especially, so John Travolta, you, um, he he must have been adorable. Was he adorable? He was past adorable on Monday. I mean, that man, and there was no real boy, except when he had that impish smile, which he still has. But to watch him on a dance floor, I mean, oh my gosh, don't be ridiculous. Ah, I'm, I, th- I know. I don't even know if it was you that introduced me to Kelly Preston she, when she worked with me or was it this age? I must tell you about Kelly. I met Kelly. She had done nothing. I was doing a daytime serial called Capital. I brought Kelly in and was line reading with her. And when I run into trouble, I called decades ago also Margie Haver. And so I'm, I believe it was, I'm not going to say that we were the ones, but I think we were because we got her capital and that was the beginning. I remember so vividly, I mean, it's so sad that she's passed. So vividly, what a beautiful, mm-hmm. kind soul she was. I loved working with her. And I know over the, all these years, she's never changed from what I heard, that she's just a wonderful human being. Uh, yeah. You know, when I met her, she was also engaged to another actor. Oh, really? At the time. So, I mean, I'm not going to sidebar, but I'll tell you when we're done who it was. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. But anyway, she was kind. She was lovely. and. You know, it was never, I don't know if it was ever her aspirations to be the biggest and the best. She just enjoyed what she was doing. She's really greatly missed. I I think about her a lot. Um, You know, I want to talk to me to change a little focus. Uh, You cast some of the 
the funniest movies ever. <laughs> Naked Gun, Police Academy. <laughs> what was it like? To, I mean, how did you find these people? I'm fascinated by that time of your, of your career. Uh, I'm funny. I like funny. <laughs> you know something? I believe you can cast anything, but when you have your niche and you love just smiling, what's wrong with casting comedies? Yeah. There, there's no hidden message. There's no, there's no anything that makes you sad. If anything, it makes your cheeks hurt from laughing. And so for me, between Mitzi, who owned the comedy store, and Bud Friedman, who owned the improv, and Rodney Dangerfield, who owned Rodney's, and, you know, I did three of Rodney's movies. Wow. Yeah. I mean, talk about insanity. Well, wow. Oh. And, you know, and, of course, let's not forget Cheech and Chong. Oh. I mean, I've done three. Yeah, so you want to. Go silly. I can go silly. Did you find a lot of people? Um, did you find people in the cast in, in those shows? I mean, in those comedy? Um, there is something that whomever is going to be listening to this podcast, not all stand up comics can make the transfer to other people's material. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy for actors to do it, when, <laughs> do other people's material. But a stand up, Many times it's very difficult. The improvisational um, funny person has more of a, a shot at it than I think a stand-up. What do you think, Margie? You agree? I, I think that, um, yeah, when I go to the improv store, um, the, when you go to like, the groundlings and things like that, right. they have more of the improv versus um, stand-up. My only problem with that, and I talk about this in my studio, is that I really appreciate when improv is taught to connect with relationships rather than to show, you know, rather than to perform. And totally so agree. If you can be, if you do improv, it's great for listening, but if you're trying to impress the, the audience, that's when it can get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Then you might as well go to stand up and do a monologue. Exactly. exactly. Have a monologue, it should be a dialogue. Yes, exactly. And then you also did all the Aaron Spelling shows. I know that. I know Beverly Hills 90210. That was... <laughs> Oh, what was that like? What are you kidding? The most gorgeous people in the world? Oh, it was awful. I hated every day. It was terrible. Oh, no, take these gorgeous looking men away from me. Take these beautiful women. Oh, no, put them. Are you kidding? The only thing is they that Mr. Spelling had, he was much more of a gambler than I when he would say, hire her. Well, Mrs. Spelling, she's not really that. We'll teach her how to talk. Or he would say, hire him. And the same dialogue was from, from oh, Mr. Spelling. But uh, he said, we'll just take his shirt off the first season. He'll be fine. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, and, and the rest is history. I, you, we, I, you and me, what was wrong with watching beautiful people? Nothing. You, they would earn while they learned. You know, it's all about expectations, right? I mean, you watch a show, you know what you're getting. Uh, later on in your career, which is, of course, you know, been incredible to me, uh, mm. the opportunity for you to work on this fantastic miniseries, Hatsfields and McCoys. I mean, you're you're talking about a whole other experience, right? With Kevin, oh. what was Cowboys. That? 
Cowboys. First of all, I am an avid equestrian and I love horses and I grew up on horses. But this little Jewish princess from Brooklyn loves horseback riding. Annie Oakley Schwartz. <laughs> right? Yeah. But when you have a project and, and Kevin was attached to it, Kevin was going to be playing at, you know, Hatfield. And, you know, when you build a bridge, build a bridge, build a village. I mean, all you had to do was say his name, build it and they will come. Yeah. And they did. I had an incredible director, Kevin Reynolds, my producer, Leslie Grant. I mean, the world was open. We were the first miniseries that brought it all back. I, you know, I did War in Remembrance, uh, 130 oh, years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that we discovered Sharon Stone or something yes. in that? Yes, that little girl, that young woman. Yeah, yes. sure. That was I, fabulous. I love Yes, you know, but not many in, our, in this time will remember Warren Remembrance. And, and then the miniseries went away. It was too expensive. But what happened on A&E, this one brought it back. This one brought it, the miniseries back, but now it's called Limited Series. Right, 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 right. So, um, but but walking in with those two men, Kevin Reynolds, Kevin Costner, woof, and then I Bill really, Jackson was in it. Bill was in. I mean, and then we found wonderful. Yeah, Tom won the Emmy. Yeah, you know. But these were again Fern and a room full of men. What a concept! You have such. It's so hard for you, isn't it? So it's, difficult. It's, it's so difficult. I'm surprised, so difficult. You, I'm surprised you uh, don't pay them for that op- opportunity to be. Shh, shh, sidebar, sidebar. <laughs> of course, then there's, yeah. crazy, then there's crazy Mickey Rourke. I mean, you, did you, but you know something? Mickey to me, Mickey to me will always be crazy. Yeah. Are you kidding? I started Mickey. I know. And, you know, to this day, and it was called Fade to Black, and it was a little independent. But I have to tell you, when Mickey walked into the room, you, you paid attention. You did. And I think this day, Margie, you'll agree with me. There's something, it's going to sound silly, about magic. But there's something when that magic walks through the door in the shape of a human. Somehow it occurs. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Absolutely. They may not be right for that role, but there's something going on. That's what I always tell my actors, you know, always say to them, stop worrying about booking that part. You know, if you create the life and you live and you walk in there and you are fully committed, the cast director might say to you, you know, she's not, he's not right for this part, but I will never forget this person. I mean, isn't that the point? Well, absolutely. And it may even happen at a callback. So it's not only the casting, it's the producer, it's the writer, it's the director. My actors, your actors, they must be on. They never know. They don't. They need to be prepared and do the best they can do because you're right. It may not be that part, but while they're in the room, everybody's going, oh, my gosh, where can we use this person? Oh, my gosh. So, yes, totally, totally. Very interesting because you and I had a situation happened, I think, a couple years ago. I think it was. You called me and said you needed someone to uh, live a life of this character. What was the movie now? Dropped my dropped out of my head. Well, are, are we talking? Um, they Tony. both have T's to their names. Tony Garn. 
Okay, it wasn't Tiffany. <laughs> that was another time. <laughs> I wasn't sure which tea you were going after. <laughs> film. Yeah, yes, yes. Like you were looking for Ariva. Yes, we and were looking. Know, here, here's an interesting thing I think that's fascinating to me. Here, you and I have a relationship where we trust each other. So you call me and say, Margie, I'm in trouble. Can you, I'd love for you to find someone who reminds me of Ariva. And in what was that like? All of a sudden I said, okay, let me think about it. I, this came out of the blue because- But this was a true story. This was the Oscar Pistorius story. Yeah. yeah. The skater who killed his girlfriend. Yeah. And okay. it was, yeah. And it was, sho- thank you. It was shocking because uh, we, I think it was Hamish and I was sitting down the next day and going over your request. And I said, oh my God, we both said at the same time, Tony Garn. And yes, the, the real person was a, a magnificent model. Yeah. So I didn't give you just carte blanche. No. She had to be good and she had to be stunning. Yeah. And Tony looked like her. Stunning. Unbelievable. So uh, I, I'm telling this story because I think this is great for actors to realize there's always hope. You don't know when this is going to happen in your life. Yeah, and things can occur that are unusual like this. And I, I know that I, uh, you had asked me to find out about Tony, and I, she was in Africa because she had, um, in, she has a, an organization there, in Africa. So she was there helping these beautiful children. And I said, I think I have a great script for you to read because I think you could be in this movie. And she says, I can't do this. I'm in Africa. There's no. There's no, there's no Wi-Fi, nothing. I said, you've got to read it. And then I called you and you said, remember? I said, let's go with this. I said, come on. Um, um, she was in Africa. I said, it doesn't matter. I know, I, all I knew is that she was stunning. And I said to you, whatever it takes. It so I said to her, <laughs> you need to get out of Africa. You need to go to Spain. You got to find someone to help you with your accent. And then you have to, and so she did this, and then I worked with her, to make a long story short, um, on a slice or two or three. Then you, sent, was sent to you, and you had your produce, you sent it to your producer, right? Well, at first, oh, said, oh, both said, no, uh, right, I'm sorry, I, I'm stepping you on your line. your producer, don't, wait, uh, wait, wait, I know you have five people to pick, but please just wait for two weeks, I have someone mm-hmm. else. Right, and and my and and Leslie Greif again, my producer who did Hatfield, and I've been working with Leslie for fourteen years. And the truth of the matter is, uh, the producer always has to trust the casting director because here Leslie has this crazy casting person going, Margie Haber. I said this is the best one. I'm telling. You, please don't do it like a like a hysterical mother. <laughs> but you know something? I put a hundred percent into you, and that's a heavy weight to say, Margie, get her to the set. You will line read her every line read. And you went, oh, okay. <laughs> well, the irony of it, to tell the audience, is she ended up booking it. And then she, yes, she did. yeah, right? And then she was supposed to go to Atlanta. And she said, I have to go to Atlanta. I said, no, you have to spend the weekend in, in LA with me before you go shoot in Atlanta. Because she has no idea what to do. I mean, she'd never acted before. Um, oh. What? Yes, we, you and I knew that. We said, okay, Margie, it's all about you now. But, that's, and, but it was great. It, but that doesn't happen all the time. No. 
It's okay. You know, I, I, I and so most of our actors have a little bit more difficulty booking a lead in a movie in in two weeks. It, I was, mean, um, it was phenomenal, and I must say, Fern, it was because of trust between you and me, and that's for decades because of it. That's so true. I, I want to ask you about, um, yeah. you know, the the obviously the old way of casting. Is you mean last March? Yeah, before since yeah since the COVID. Uh, things have changed, and I know my students and people that are listening would love to know what the process is now, and are you going back to work, and how is it working? Okay. Um, the process has changed due to a terrible, you know, sickness, plague, um, COVID. No actor is allowed to come in, allowed they should not go in to be doing any readings. Hence, the self-tapes. Listen, fortunately, self-tapes has become a thing that the actors are somewhat used to self-taping. Thank you, because that's very important with the lighting, with the backdrop, with, 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 a, with a reader that is a good reader. The, our actors have that down. Now let's add on Zooming. That's a whole new Oprah. It is. And, and for me, for you, for the world, the Zooming. And what has developed in the world of casting and our actors is the Zooming will take place and I will be able to give adjustments as you, and I'm sure you're doing it now, you'll be able to talk to your actor while they're in their bedroom. Yeah. Do hopefully not in their bedroom doing a reading, but you know that their lighting and everything zooming will be great. But my director, my my acting coach extraordinaire, will be able to give adjustments while the actor is zooming. It's not my most favorite thing, and I'm doing this over thirty five years. I love having the actor as you in the room. I like seeing that happen. I like when I can say, oh my gosh, there's another role. Let me just give you the sides. Okay, that can't happen with the Zoom because my actor doesn't have the sides at her home. So there's a lot of stuff that I don't love, but it doesn't matter what I love. It is what it is. Our actors have to be prepared with self-tapes, Zooming, with lighting, with being prepared, with sometimes being off book many times, with knowing how to get the part when you're not in the room. Uh, now, are you, aren't you working on a movie or are you starting another movie? And I have um, a total of 10 Lifetime movies that they've hired me to do. Uh, it's probably because I'm so up and happy all the time that I should do Hi. movies that no one survives. I don't know. But Lifetime, is they started with Christmas movies also. But um, they're tough. They're tough to do. But yes, I'm doing one right now that um, I have, you know, opening night jitters. This is my first full length that I will have to be casting entirely off of tapes. Yeah. You know, unless I'm giving someone an offer, you know. But that's what's going to be happening. So... Get back to me in, a, in the next six weeks. I'll let you know how I've done. 
Uh, you know what? I'll do another um, podcast. That would be interesting to see what, what it was like for you. I know <sighs> for me, because we started Zooming right at the, my, I closed my, my studio March 10th. And then that following Monday, we were the first acting studio to actually start Zooming. And I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. I mean, it was like, what the hell is this media? Right. And I, I, it was unbelievable how it has grown into I, I actually do love it. It's exhausting because it takes a lot of concentration. But what I've learned from, from Zoom is that you have more available, availability to create than you would if you were in self-tape. Because self-tape, you really are tight. But Zoom, you can do some things that are just fascinating. And what we've learned is split screen. We've learned how to do things that are... I did a hurricane slice of life where people actually are moving with the, with their camera and they are moving with the computer and you believe they are taking risks and they're learning how to create. And I'm finding it fascinating for the, for the, I do have a question. If you have a scene, you just mentioned. If you have a scene, Uh, Oh, you mean a slice of life. Did I say scene? Did I say, what did you say, scene? We don't use that word here. I'm so sorry. It was my twin ugly sister. <laughs> you can drive somebody crazy with love. Um, with the slice of life that you just mentioned, do you recommend an actor, if they're Zooming, to actually be bopping up and down if they're in the middle of a hurricane? I'll give you the answer to it in, in what I've seen. And and I think it, it's a... Uh, what the casting directors are now going to go through in their journey of using Zoom, uh, that it is no longer the same as self-taping. And that if uh, what I see that really is fantastic is if you do it well Mm -hmm. and you believe the circumstances, we will believe the circumstances. I'll I'll send you a couple of the tapes. I'll I'll send a couple of them. It will help you a lot because uh, you can see people that literally they are they're so scared and Mm. trying to get out of the room. And you're thinking, Mm -hmm. my God, how are they doing this? Right. Don't even you're no longer thinking they're on Zoom. That's how good they are. But it's about really being specific on how you create. It's not just shaking everything. That's gets in the way. It's how you use the Zoom and how you use the room to create it for yourself. Okay. And I would say, always do it for you. Don't try to impress this, the, uh, the casting director. If I can do it and I believe the circumstances, you will believe it. So yeah, I'll share that with you. And then again, what you're saying about the self-tapes and the Zoom, I probably will be approaching this project for Lifetime right now is, is getting self-tapes. And then if somebody is in the running, go to a zoom. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, the, that's going to be my step deal with um, the various uh, parts. That's all I know how to do. The way I see it is this self tape is very intimate. So if you have an intimate slice of life that you're going to do that, you want to see how Mm -hmm. intimate they are, how good they are with their thoughts, how good they are with their, their sexuality, their communication, Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to be better than that short cropped look, right? True. You're also looking at someone who wants to, who really needs to be in their body, and you see how they're using it, and how and how purpose is so important. And uh, I did a I did a slice of life from um, Little Fires Everywhere, Mm -hmm. 
And one of my students happens to be in that movie. And so she was like, so excited to see me do it on Zoom. And what happened was this this guy, the actor, the the character ran into the house after being at court to get a cigarette. All right. He needed a cigarette. Now, if an actor just gets a cigarette and smokes it, it doesn't mean anything. If I don't get a cigarette, I am just going to flip out. His need to get the cigarette was why that was important. So to me, it's always about that coming from someplace that fills you up. Right. People don't do that. So I I agree. That's what makes you excited about that. But it's also going to be interesting when I do have these um, so-called callbacks with my director. Yes. Because that'll definitely be on Zoom, whether or not it'll be split screen, you know, depending on what the role is. But my, what I'm, I'm thinking is, we better make sure we really know what these actors look like. Oh, because yeah. we won't see them until they arrive on that set. Yeah. And I remember in the so-called olden days, you know, during the horse and buggy when we were casting <laughs> and actors only got a, you know, well, you know, she's not going to read. So it's an offer only. And then this actor would show up and wow, they don't look the same. They look and in your director. And it only happened to me once in my life that I was called and said, seriously? And that's a bad opening from your producer when it's the you know first day of shooting. Yeah, seriously? Oh, ah, you're shooting. Seriously? So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to make sure. You, you do a full shot. Could you turn around? Could you put all the lights on? Could we really see what you look like? Yeah. You know, no, very- we're, going, we're going into uncharted uh, territory. And, it's, and with that, maybe some fear, but with that for everyone is, uh, I think, a wonderful challenge. Go for it. Yeah. This is, you are really on. Have fun. This is the time. Thank you, Fern. I love you so much. This I enjoy fun. It. Love you. Love you more. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. If you would like to explore more of my philosophy and the studio, please check out my website, margiehaber.com. Stay tuned for the next Slice of Life.